Welcome to Wake the F Up Podcast, hosted by Alex and David Long, where we talk about living consciously and helping people uncover their essential selves so that they can stop sleepwalking through life. Our goal is to create a safe space where our guests can share how they've decided to wake the F up and become mindfulness experts through their own emotional healing journey. Welcome to Wake the F Up Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Long, along with my co-host and husband, David Long. We have two amazing guests today with us, Dr. Cindy Ashkins and Dr. Bob Gerby. Dr. Cindy has been a licensed clinician since 1980 and is a certified Imago relationship therapist and workshop presenter. Dr. Bob Gerby is a medical psychologist whose work integrates medication management with his clinical services. They are life partners and work partners. As the creators of Mindful Love Workshops, which teach couples numerous relations skills, including how to be present to themselves and each other. Welcome, Dr. Bob and Dr. Cindy. I'm so excited to have you guys on the podcast. We were giggling before we recorded that this is your podcast, Virginity Loss. Yes. And I want the world to meet you guys. Um, it makes me get a little choked up. Dr. Bob and I have been very, very close. Um, Cindy, I know so many people actually that have gone to you. A lot of my friends have been to y'all's workshop, um, the couple's workshop that you guys do. But Dr. Bob actually potentially single-handedly, uh, along with Car's therapist, uh, Celeste Shexnader, probably saved my son's life. So his work and what he does in, in both therapy and medication management uh, man, you hit my family at such a critical time and uh, you're always kind of deep in my heart mm-hmm. and I owe a lot to you. I think you were the most thorough psychiatrist I've ever met and actually the only, I recommend you to everyone. So welcome both of you. And I just thought maybe you would want to start um, talking a little bit about yourselves and uh, Cindy, tell us a little bit about you. So you want to start? You, you want start. No use. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, I'm native from Connecticut and went you know, transferred to Tulane and went, you know, right from undergraduate to graduate in social work and threw myself into charity emergency ER, well, for emergency rooms. And I said, wow, I don't have enough education to be doing this work. So I went back <laughs> for my doctorate um, at the same time that I co-owned a jazz club uptown. So cool. Oh, did not know that. Casual. And um and then got into private practice and focused my dissertation on addiction and relationships where there was at the time very little information. And of course then trauma comes in. Um, of course. So during my dissertation, I figured out that I didn't know a whole lot about how to make relationships work. So I put myself in the Imago relationship training. And then post Katrina, since you know, eighty-five percent of the psychiatrists left and two thirds of the population, I called up Imago and said, "Hey, I've been a member for this long, and can you all support me in going for the next level of education?" So I became a workshop presenter, and so early in two thousand six, we started offering those workshops in a renovated garage in the house we were in. Wow. So I'm not familiar with the workshops at all. Tell me, how does the workshop work? What, so what is it? the Imago workshops are based on Harville Hendrix's book, Getting the Love You Want. And it's how you both consciously and more so unconsciously pick partners. 
um, what we used to call chemical attraction or that magnetic energy is really an unconscious agenda to fix your childhood. If you could just hold that as a hypothesis and it's a communication wow. model. So it teaches couples really more how to listen than how to talk to their partner and it's gentle communication and it's, um, really listening for the essence of what the partner is feeling and needs and wants and, and how to make sense of that and then empathize with feelings. So it gives a structure and a language for couples. Wow. And then Bob, you're also, um, you, you co-run these with her. I do. Right? And, 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 and we're having a little, it's okay wolf, if your dog is a little wolf here, but, um, we also have a little doodle and they love yeah. to join in. On he's the napping podcast, so. And woofing. <laughs> so, you know, um, one of the powerful things about when we do the group together is that we are a couple that, uh, model it. And, and oftentimes it's all, it's been in the past, just in the nick of time because we were at each other's throats, you know? And so we would use the group to, and it was like, oh, thank God, because we would work along with the couples and and do our work there with them. So it was a very healthy thing for us. And it just so happens, I'm not going to go into the details, don't freak out. But, I, but this morning, we needed to do an incredible dialogue. Because we were at each yeah. throats this past weekend, you know, and last week yeah. it's been a really tough time for us. Because you know, we come to the world seeing the world very differently, and oftentimes it's uh, it's sort of it's it's not an accident. We have very similar sort of family of origin constellations, mm -hmm. but we couldn't be more opposite polar opposite in terms of how we coped and what lessons we took from that same stimulus. So my worldview and the way I cope with it drives her crazy because it's antithetical to mm -hmm. her solution. And when she does her thing on it, it gets right under my skin and I can't, it's, so we go at each other. Like really we react, we are, you know, and we know better. But we so common. We do. But how refreshing is this, right? So actually, I, this is why I like Carvel Hendricks a lot. He actually his Amago work. So I was lucky enough to land into the arms of Jan Keho. That's our therapist and my therapist for two marriages now. And she, I know, is colleagues with y'all. But also, I think Cindy, you were her therapist at one point, uh, which I know she would say out loud to many people. <laughs> she loves, loves, loves you. And so she actually taught me probably 2014, the dialogue technique. Um, I think she actually matriculates a different, maybe a different one than I have from his book, but it is behavioral request change form. And I've actually used this, I use this probably 30 times a day, exactly what you guys are talking about. I call it, I renamed it, sorry, Harville Hendricks, but I call it the fear chart because I'm like behavioral request change form is kind of long. <laughs> right. But for me, it's actually like, it always hits my trigger is always being reactionary, exactly what you're saying. Right to something that I'm actually deeply afraid of. And it's usually like whatever my global desire is, is being hit and I'm not being, right. I'm not being seen in the, in the way that I need to be seen in order for my inner self to feel lovable. And so it's really awesome to hear, you know, obviously doctors are people, right. you know, and therapists are as well have many problems and have to work through them themselves. And I think, you know, that's the thing about healing. It never stops, right? right. It's a constant, 
working on things. So well, that's really know, awesome. You know, when he mentioned that he get, I get, I get the same feeling about this podcast sometimes. Like I get a lot <laughs> out of our communication. It's kind of like a um, more structured way for us to kind of communicate right. and tell each other's feelings. And I love to hear her work through her stuff right. while I, while I can just listen. And then uh, it kind of, for whatever reason, this setting kind of allows me to not feel like I need to fix it or right. to, um, you know, do something. I can just listen because it's a podcast. I'm supposed to just be right. kind of listening and interacting. And it, it it is extremely therapeutic. And we've had a lot of guests where at the end of the show, I feel better about us yes. um, than, than yes. in the beginning, you know, which is, which is really, which is really great. And I often mention this about therapy. One of the wonderful things about therapy, particularly if you're a therapy virgin, like I was four years ago, is to have a um, have affirmation of a or get the immediate feedback of a behavioral change or or thought change is extremely refreshing because you know sometimes and I hear this sometimes people say you know I've been doing all this therapy and you know I'm still you know what I mean? Mad. Like, what's the mad, change still... model? What's the trajectory? How do we get better at this? Right. And it's so well, it's nice to get better yeah. and to actually see the end result get better with the person you love, and you can see almost immediate right. improvement in your relationship. It's, it's right. It happens almost like this. When I was wondering, so like, do you guys practice from this perspective? And and I think the best therapists, and I know you you both are the best. So like, I can I can I can say that with full force. You know, Cindy, I know that personally we've been worked together, but I have heard about you from hundreds of people. And I have at least five or six couples that literally now one did get divorced, but they needed to get divorced. And I think your workshop, it was it was evident. Well, that we one promise is clarity. That's, well, wait, <laughs> that, that's the thing about the Mago work. Like if you're not gonna be if your partner doesn't want to take place in tools or doing the work, right? there's really not much you can do. And I think that you guys said that even to the couple and they both heard it. Right. And the husband was just like, I don't want to do, I don't, I'm never going to do this. And she was like, well, I have some thinking to do. Like, am I going to be able to stay in this? Right. But yeah. I was wondering, I saw a therapist prior to seeing Jan and who I consider to be like, you know, the end all who got me through cancer. Jan's biggest thing is giving tools. And it's kind of like stuts. If you've watched that uh, Netflix special, it's like, if you have a tool, you, you, you can manage some of your own time away from therapy, right? Therapy is so important, but you know, our daily life isn't lived in a therapist's office. I'm, I might be one to two, if I'm lucky hours a week. And so Imago therapy is amazing because this communication dialogue gives people tools and this, on how to meet their partner in resistance, right? Is can, that, you do you find it, you need that? Yeah. You can call it BCR. You don't have to say the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I call. I renamed it. Just the fear chart. It. What's what's the behavior? You know, and we automatically, we unconsciously pick partners that are actually going to bring up our childhood stuff and trigger us. And with a romantic oh, partner, this being the brain, you're going to go from prefrontal cortex to your survival brain, which is fight, yeah. flight, freeze, or faint. You know, you're going to go right back here and become a three year old, and and may mm -hmm. come out with a reaction. The dialogue allows you to get back to being an adult and having a rational conversation. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice to have that 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 information before you get married? You know, what I mean, like in high like, school. Know, exactly. <laughs> right. Like we always talk about. I remember in the eighties and nineties, all these news stories about how the divorce rate was skyrocketing, and it's going to be over fifty percent. And the more I learn about 
couples and uh, childhood trauma. And I'll think, I think 50% is way low. It probably should be, it should be much, much higher. I mean, I think the divorce rate could be as high as 90% considering how we get into relationships. Right. Um, and if you get into a relationship for exactly what you just said, which is literally my first marriage, um, uh, I, I 100% picked my first wife because I knew that she would never, ever ask me to tell her how I felt. And she picked me because she knew that I would never require her to tell me how she felt. And it was a, a, a horrible, it was a horrible silence, you know, for a lot of years uh, with both of us just kind of uh, shoving all of our needs and, and, um, and feelings down. Right. Yeah. And then when um, she died, he was like, you were what? Yeah. When, when she died, that that no longer works. So that coping strategy of shoving it down, right. it just it was like a, a geyser. It just it just blew, and all those years of of keeping it shoved down, it came out. And a gift, society in my grief said it's okay. Right, you know? it's okay for like, a man to feel this as a man happy. as a man after my wife died. It was okay for me to be in the fetal position. It was okay for me to be right. to cry a lot. It was okay for me to be unstable, right. um, which my whole life it had never been. That was not okay. Right. You, know, you had to be, you had to produce, and you had to take care of everything, and you had to never complain and never uh, tell her that you needed more. And you know what I mean. And the language of love yeah. is feeling talk, and it empathy yeah. is a muscle that's really necessary. Yeah. You know, Bob. You yeah. want to? Well, first let me say. I was so nervous we were not going to get through this conflict because it started probably Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're on the plane last night. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to go on this podcast and we're not going to be connected or clicking or feeling loving. And so it was a early morning conversation over coffee. And it was like a breakthrough, I think, for both of us. An aha. Mm -hmm. Um would you like to say how the relationship started? You want to just tell a little bit about that? You could tell the clean version of it. <laughs> I, I was impressed by how academic you, you know, the academic story that you presented yourself in. That's, that was like, that was, that's a. Well, she, it's vital that she talked about charity. I'm like, I'm sorry. Anyone who goes through charity, right? you saw some, you, you saw, saw some, some stuff. Yeah. And especially in psychiatric. Yeah, she saw some, yeah, she gives. Well, that gives her street cred in the New Orleans community, right? A hundred percent. That's right. Anyone, like everyone talked to Carl. My first husband always talked about charity being just like this hub. And then Dave, I met David. He did his residency all through there. And it's, it's the, anyone, nurses, doctors uh, that roll through could, there. We could have an entire have whole Absolutely. The accident room. About, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> talking about just the daily trauma yeah. in that place that, I just walked out of the building and never thought about, it. you know what I mean? I did my job and then I never, it never entered my brain that I would carry all that stuff with me all those years, you know, that right. all the stuff you, all the stuff you see, you, you carry it. I just push that shit down right. so hard. And I, it and is, I was doing rape, battered women, child abuse and sexual right, abuse. Right. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Right. And I, I was doing, imagine. I was doing gunshot wounds and knife, knife. You know, yeah. Knife wounds. Yeah. On a regular and basis. A lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It makes you really jaded. I remember he said, 
you know, he always was thought about doing trauma surgery and that was his, you know, first rotation or first residency. I think this is, and he was like, I, I'll I think, lose it you know if what? I say it. Seriously, I think this is bullshit because it's easy <laughs> to talk about the horror and the atrocity as professionals in a hospital. No doubt that that's yeah. true. Right. But give me a break. Yeah. What were we just like talking people. about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. were we 100%. just talking about? To the, we, the, the Imago you know, model and couples work, that's all about repairing the horror and atrocities yeah. and the, the the wounds that occur from living in your freaking house with your mother and father right. and your happy little siblings and your grandma and yeah. grandpa, right? We are not a, you don't have sure. to be in charity hospital to have credibility right. to know what horror is. But it's easy right. to, to talk about what your credential is because you're in a, a prescribed community. And no, a, and you that's were why you worked at charity because you had the history with trauma. <laughs> to then well, that's right. Attribute so. your acumen to being trained in that setting where I'm basically, and I think our experience this morning in our repair wasn't that you were in charity. wasn't that I grew up and I worked at Bronx Psychiatric Center or what. It was that we had the communication tools to go dig deep. And I talked about my trauma living with a crazy mom. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're right. Like actually all the personal trauma I've been through, which has been a lot. It's, um, it's so much more significant. It is. And your childhood. Is anything that you car a story that any one of us For can sure. say that we dealt with professionally. Or in a, that's in true. a community. That's true. That's when you look at a patient load, that's a vicarious yeah. experience. And yet that's right. it's safer to talk about that. So we talk that's about right. that. And it's not parent bashing. It's just identifying what you got well, too much of or didn't well, get enough of. <clears throat> well, you're by definition detached, right? I mean, because you're not right. I did I did well, I did go home, right? right? And you're right. Like you have the trauma from your childhood. You you can leave, but you come back. You know, what I mean, there's there's no yeah, other place you. to right. you. You're gonna keep that, and you're totally right. In fact, we had a podcast <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, who she was a widow who had married a non-widow, uh, or boyfriend. Boyfriend, sorry. And we were talking about how much that she shared with him, and she said, "Well, he he hadn't been through what I've been through, so I don't really share with him too much." When what well, she meant when she was really in like yeah. deep grief, and I was struck moments. with like. Nope, I don't even know him. I never met him, but I guarantee you, he has some trauma, right. you know, right. from his childhood. And that's so part that's, of the hypothesis that you marry somebody true. that's developmentally wounded at the same level you are, exactly. and has opposite exactly. coping strategies. Right, and that's that's where we conflict as well. I mean, that's universal. Like when when my wound rubs her wound, hmm. it's fireworks. I mean, it is fireworks. when her wound goes off and mine's not it's cool. I can listen and we're, I can be supportive, right. but every once in a while, my wound will rub her wound. And it's, it's, it's hard. It sounds like yeah. it's the same kind of weekend you guys have. Right. When you guys are looking at your patients, both, you know, maybe simultaneously or working together in the workshops, do you notice um, across the board that the, you know, when you're running through the behavioral request change form, that people get stuck on a certain section? Like I find that the stories in my head are are my parents like are the ways that my parents abandoned me 
are the, the, the subliminal messages in my home and the trauma? And then of course the global desire, do you find comes down to like two to three things? So, are, you, are you seeing yeah. patterns within that? You know, um, I want everybody to, it's meant to be a dramatic um, three-year-old. They used to make us jump up and down and wave our hands and scream mm -hmm. our global desire. I want everybody to pay attention to me all the time. I want nobody to touch me ever. I want to be happy mm -hmm. all the time, whatever it is. So it's that three-year-old inside of us. The challenge of the workshop is couples come in really raw, sometimes on a Friday night, sometimes on a Saturday morning, and to see the transformation and the glow on their faces when we do closing circle and gratitude for themselves and their partner. Um, so different parts of the workshop, because it's different languaging and it's places they've never been, their workshop versions, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So it's places they've never been and global desire is unmet childhood needs. And there are hundreds of dependency mm -hmm. needs. Did I answer yeah. your question? And it did. Yeah. And you know, what's been the, what changed? Like, I think that, that, that Harville Hendricks work has changed my life. So even, even though it's meant to be a, a communication dialogue technique, I have actually matriculated that chart for myself. And I, whenever I'm frustrated, whenever I'm angry, I even use it for sad, although it often asks for a frustrating behavior. I take any emotion that I'm feeling that I can't seem to shake off and I'll run that chart in my head because what I want to know to be true is because I'm a mom and I'm a business owner and I'm constantly in communication with others and feeling frustrated about things around me. And I, what I learned was growing up with a narcissist and then my mom who suffers deeply from depression that I was always abandoned, right? Either abandoned because I wasn't good enough or I was abandoned because there just wasn't enough space or emotion, emotional energy for my parents to show up for all six of us. And it's interesting that that chart has helped me dismantle or disarm a lot of my reactionary behaviors where I felt so angry and resentful all the time in partnerships and, and just in self. Right. And the truth is that beneath it all, what I've realized is that I never felt good enough. I never felt lovable. And when I get to the story and the fear and the global desire, or even the childhood memory, I immediately say like, I'm not mad at David. I'm not mad at my coworker. I'm not, not even mad at my child. It's hitting me. And I, this is, this is about my, my, my father wound and I need to just take some breaths here and stop reacting to whatever external stimuli is causing the reaction. And you can do and a behavior change request for yourself. What would you yeah, like I mean, to change within the next two weeks? What do you want to be doing three times a week? Yeah. You know what I mean? Honestly, you know, what's funny is like my business partner who created this company with me, she would always laugh because she's like such a, she's like a little bit more type A. She'd be like, you got to do the, the three things to change. And I was like, I don't know if I'm like more of a science nerd, but I was like, oh, all I really need is to know. And then I know how to change. Like, like, but I never did practice. Like, what are the three ways that you're going to do something? That's very much like, I like that because it's a little bit like codependent no more as well, where you're like, take an right. active role in your own healing. Right. 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 So tell a little bit about our. Early okay. Well, I, I, I will, but I guess I, I do want to, for your listeners. Yeah, I knew Bob was going to be a natural. Well, underscore that, Alex, you and David, you know, you're unusual in the sense that we are most people coming through our group, the, through the workshop, are ill-equipped or ill, uh, 
poorly, not committed as much and don't have the resources or invest the resources to incorporate that experience and that language in their ongoing life. So it's a myth that, and it's a mis, mis, an injustice for, and we, and we, we articulate this to our members. The workshop is a stepping stone to then begin the work with your therapy and ongoing right. because you can't just take this tool and make and utilize it right. because the laver, level of distortion that occurs between a couple trying to get through a dialogue is so loud and disorienting and distracting. They don't get to uh, uh, an improvement place. They yeah, that makes so, sense. So, what's essential if the, with this work is it's a it's you take it to heart and you really utilize it. It's us mm -hmm. utilizing it this morning and pulling on the tools to go. God, we know better. Right, and that's one of twenty-five right. dialogues per se from Marvel Hendricks, and most right. people come home and throw it under the bed. And never to be seen again. Even if you say to them, if you book a right. couple session after, bring your workbook. Right, right. It has a lot of information. So you know, and it, and Hendrick, I know. And that we'll often be like, yeah. let's dialogue that. I'd say let's fear chart that, and he'll be like, oh, oh don't make, make me do right. it. <laughs> right. And you know, he knows. is one of the top three, and probably the least popular of the top three. John Gottman, Sue Johnson model are a lot more, have a lot more cachet these days. And I find this really hands-on and useful for couples because his work is yeah. incredible. And I love his honesty in the book too. Okay. First of all, if you just stay the course, people getting the love you want, it's hard to buy that book. And first of all, if you buy it in Barnes and Noble, you're like, thank God for Amazon. You're like, right. this is an embarrassing title, but it's the most powerful book, yeah. right? Buying it for clients. Yep. <laughs> I know. And you know, the truth is he's really honest in the beginning. It's really scary to read that intro where you're like, I chose my partner because of his repressed parts <laughs> of my parents. So I love my dad and my mom. Like you're kind of like, it can well, screw with your head a little it, bit, but it's it powerful brings, and true. It, it brings into question for me, like what is love? What is attraction? You know, all these things that we have kind of preconceived notions right. of what they're about. For for example, had you asked me before, I would have told you 100% I love my my first wife. But when I learned like how I ended up with her and why um, we chose each other. Is that love? I, right. You have to redefine it, right? Because it was, it it wasn't. I don't know. It was um, certainly not. That's not the fairy book or the fairy tale book version of how you fall in love. And, and this, been by the way, is also not the fairy. Yeah, tale. I'm like. By the way, we've yeah. got five grieving kids. Like we're we're also like right. in therapy a lot. So you're right. Like. I do this technique on alone, just so to be clear, Bob, but I do it. I, I need it so much. Like there, I'd have to hire like an in-house therapist at our house to can make it through the day because we've got, you know, three kids, his three kids lost their mom to a brain aneurysm overnight. Right. And everything in their life, although you can hear might have between David and Betsy been a little bit under the scenes, not a good communicating marriage. The children had no idea and neither did the external community that surrounded them. She was a wonderful friend. He was a thriving physician. So their three kids were like, wait, what? You, well, you guys had problems? They, and then they, I come along. They wouldn't have recognized it because they were exactly the same. I mean, and love, exactly I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, David, that 
that wasn't love, but there are different love yeah, can evolve right. and it can right. mean it can be it can get deeper. You know, I mean, I think that's right. part of, right. you know, we in the in the workshop, you talk about the, you know, the developmental stages of a relationship and romantic love, right. you know, versus the, the uh, power, struggle. power struggle, which most people then fall out of love and said, I, you know, feel like they got ripped off a bait and switch kind of deal. And, and no, this is not what I want. And they leave and they don't survive to then, you know, um, a mature love, right? right which is a choice. And right. you know, and truthfully, who comes in the workshop is one of the two partners who's dragging the other. And Hendrix talked right. about the dragger and the draggy, and it doesn't matter. You're both here. Conflict is supposed mm -hmm. to happen, which is a lovely reframe. Let's let's figure out how to use it to to help us grow. If if I do you find that couples who don't conflict have issues, greater issues. Say it again. You find that couples who do not have conflict, who do not address their problems, who do not have you know these ruptures and need to be repaired. Do you find they have a harder time? I never than see couples that are. <laughs> I guess not, and not. if I have a couple that comes in and they're pretty much flatlined and on two ends of the sofa, I tell them, like, I'm a little bit scared, you guys. I wish you would tell me about some conflict. And they are just, yeah. it's flat. And it couples usually come in too late, honestly, because it's, you know, oh, there's still true, a stigma sure. about it. We used to talk about, uh, Betsy and I used to talk about it in bed sometimes about like friends that we knew that went to therapy. And I swear to God, we would tell it. I I agree. She she'd be like, "Well, thank God we don't have that. Oh, we don't do that because we would yeah. split up. Yeah, right, right. Now, right. and, and I was like, I agree with her. I was like, man, yeah, therapy. I right. thank God we don't need that. And shit. and give, and it would and that fits right. the model that you said that both you right. had because suppression worked. Right. If the, if right. if you had to emote that. Yes, you would have gotten divorced because right. you would have not been able right. to tell. You would have violated. And we you violated. Right. And we both we both came from families of origins where suppression was our mutual coping right. and I strategy. And, and we and we survived the childhood right. by right. suppressing it. Worked really worked really well. And I grew right up, up in a it, family like y'all are talking about. Both lost spouses. Each had two kids, and we were thrown together before the Brady Bunch was ever oh, God. And nobody Brady? ever talked about it. Are you okay? Do you like your stepmom or do you still hate her? Tell me there's hope for me. No, no, no. It's my mom and stepdad. <laughs> oh, stepdad. Sorry. Like that. I was young, you know. And and yeah, we survived and never talked about it. So And that oh, is really part hard. of the crux of this morning's discussion. Yeah. The the two yeah. different worldviews of what family yeah. means and our yeah. commitment to that. Right. It's so yeah. hard, isn't it? It's so hard. We are, we, I think that's one of our biggest struggles is, or my biggest struggle, I'll at least speak for myself is I constantly, and I don't know if it's because I never had it in childhood, but I had the surface image of it. So I had a physician father who looked very successful and a beautiful mother and six kids. And it looked a certain way, but behind closed doors, right. it was a very different way. And I would say that the things that hyper marked what I feel is families like Christmas cards and, you know, holiday things and all these traditional things um, where now, because we have so much grief in the home with all the children and ourselves, holidays or anything that I used to associate with family is a really tough time. And we just, we can't always get our ducks in a row. 
nobody's ever going to be happy in those moments. Sometimes grief's popping up at this weirdest stuff. And but it's teaching us to let go. It is. It's teaching me to let go of my identity, the family that I have to reframe that blending and recreating a family from two widows and, and grieving children. Right. It has to look so different for us. And, and I grieve that simplicity of creating something with someone that you, that you don't have to question or you don't have to be questioned. Um, because the roles were just set in stone and that's all people know. And it's really, but it's also on the benefit side of things. Like, right. It makes me constantly ask myself, what am I doing? Why am I here? I'm consciously choosing to be the mother of this house and to be in this new marriage. It's also a myth. It's a kind of, it's a myth that you're, Oh, I wish we didn't have to deal with this, these deaths. It would have been so much (laughs) easier and simpler if, we were an intact family bullshit. I mean, I I mean, then you would, if that was the case, then couples who are come from that kind of environment and individuals that come would be really not our customers, but that's not the case. But they are. And and I think the depth is worth everything. The depth of connecting with another person in relationship is so rewarding and watching that, connection in the workshop. You know, in those early workshops, right after Katrina, there were no resources, like January, February 2006. And the workshop would be starting at 6 p.m. And I'd have couples calling me up until 4 p.m. trying to sign up. It was like, you know, we're so desperate to to talk about the loss and the, you know, what happened with Katrina and the, the, the loss of the belief that life is safe. And your world is mm-hmm. so that was. Those are some really powerful workshops. So what, what? What David? What is kind of fun? And I guess we share that. And maybe the four of us share that with each other <laughs> as a couple. Is what's what's beneficial of these discussions? You know, whether it's our your, your podcast or our participation in this podcast, or when we are co-leading a, a, a workshop. It's we see our partners as competent others and that our daily life is not typically our full experience, right? We are, you know, so that's refreshing. And I think for sure that's yeah. sort of, I think, healing, you know? Um, mm. So, you know, um, yeah, which is. I think, yeah, that's actually really beautiful. Like to maybe seek out moments in the day where you can look at your partner and find something that you feel that there's and express the competence that you see in them. You know, I think as a mom or as a wife, sometimes we get very bogged down with our to-do list and husbands, there's lots of roles that we, we carry, you know, whatever your partnership is, you carry certain roles. And then we just, we kind of hustle and bustle. And like the point of of wake at least is, you know, these significant losses that we have, we're lucky in a way and not lucky in lots of ways, but we're really lucky. and, And Cindy, you may feel like this with the loss you had in your life. It's like that death is in you forever and and it wakes you up about the way that you need to live. And you can come kind of get back into like a sleep state sometimes, but grief will pop right back up. And then you're wide awake again, saying to yourself, like, life is short. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, I want to be conscious with the love and the communication and the partnerships that I'm and what I'm creating. Like if I'm going to go away from my children and and choose it work for me, at least I want to make sure that it's something of value. And I hope that our experiences, and it seems like yours as well, are touching other people because I wish that I didn't have to, I wish people didn't have to suffer so bad 
in order to have stronger partnerships or be a little bit more connected to what they need in their in their life which it's, is it's, goes to the point with david earlier you were saying and we're all in agreement wouldn't it be nice if they taught like cindy said this language in high school or so we've we've had the occasion to offer a workshop to new newlyweds or people considering getting married cool. and they throw up they go they yeah. totally yeah. reject that because yeah. it's like they're in the midst of romantic right. love they're in the midst of right. this is great why it's like saying they need therapy we don't have a problem why would we go in therapy why would we ruin this pleasure right. why would we right. sabotage right. it's like you and your and betty i think is betty or betty betsy, betsy. betsy. Had, a, had a covenant which was we don't talk we about this stuff right. and those couples yeah. have a covenant we're just we're not going with it. we don't need that and so yeah, we're offering <laughs> such a preventive you know, sort of a prescriptive right. prevention does not work. I, I've actually no. given it as wet right. gift yeah, right. to some clients and we friends. Never, I'm wrapping up in a squirrel. We gave it at our wedding. <laughs> we gave it at our wedding. <laughs> we need this. Yeah. I'm like, call me in six months. And we never okay. see them. And we, we never, never see them. Never... Well, I think then I, then I propose another solution because I think you're totally right. It's the equivalent of the book for grieving people. You know, I don't know. We've talked about this. The we, stages of grief? No, like, you know, they, when I, first started grieving really hard, I, I started looking for books to help me a little bit, you know? Well, two things. Number one, when you're really grieving, you can't read. You can't, right. You, right. You, you literally cannot read. Right. Uh, and Good I couldn't, point. and when I could finally start to read again, I couldn't concentrate at all. So it, like the book for the acutely grieving person. So my point is that maybe, just maybe, um, I'm we can help, we know, can like, help, we can help most by teaching these basic communicative skills to our children, you know? Right. And, and there yeah. is a, and, a book for parents and kids. It's how to, um, yeah. giving the love that heals is one of Hendrick's right. later books that you mirror your child and gosh knows I have a 20 year old that you don't mirror them exactly like you would your partner, because then they just go, you're mocking me. And right. really listening to your kid who really wants to tell you something and you want to tell them why what they're saying is not right. It's like, just listen. No, and that, yeah. that, that is a frequent revelation in, yeah. in every workshop group and in every couple. God, we should do this with our kids. We should teach yeah. them. Yeah. And, and my God, how already impaired and wounded they are already recognition by the parents yeah. that they're you know they're teens yeah. and their tweens or whatever are already suffering and 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 again it's short-lived we don't you know we've often always offered booster you know Final sessions yep. nobody ever comes um so it's yeah. it's um yeah these are they're they're they're, they're great ideas um it's um yeah it's you know, it's funny how you, you can create an entire thing that is so impassioned by the, you know, the giver of the information and you have to be ready. You have to be ready for healing. And and we all know that. So like, I always laugh about like, somebody was like, one of our parents was like, you really should stop saying F words on the podcast. I think it's turning people off. And we laughed real hard and said, are people listening like an F word because they're deep in healing and they're not afraid 
to be people. They're not people pleasing at this point. At this point, it's like the people that are coming to you, they're ready. They're ready for communication and techniques and to work on their marriage. And I wish there was an earlier way, but well, this brings up a common debate <laughs> that Jan and I have about what is the natural state of, oh, you love to ask of a question. human. I would love to know the answer to this question. Is the natural state dead ass asleep, <laughs> repressed, everything shoved down, doing your job, yelling at your kids occasionally? Or is the natural state one of feeling, one of emotion, one of true, deep understanding love? Yes. And we, Janet, yes. Jan and I differ on those things. I think B. I personally it's think both. that the natural state, I think the natural uh -huh. state they of humanity, good. Good if given no interaction, is dead ass asleep. And I own, my only evidence for that is it's way more common, right? I mean, there's, right. it's way more common to be asleep. Than but I think asleep. that's only more common if you read this book is because it's innately given to us that at three years old on, right? Like, and I think that's why mindfulness is important, that you're in touch totally. with the very moment you're in and using your breath and right. blocking out all the other noise. And gosh knows there's a lot of noise now to just be ready right. for the flow because life is going to flow. Well, well I, wait, I, talk I guess... to us a little bit about that though, because I know it's yeah. very important for you guys. You, you teach a lot about in your workshops about breathing, staying conscious. So Maybe give the listeners who are new to breathing, new to mindfulness, what are what are some so, like easy tips you might have? So them? I was trained in the Imago method and also studied mindfulness. And I thought this is a perfect fit. If one partner is going to work on mindfulness, doesn't it make sense if you're working on conscious couplehood that both work on, on mindfulness and, and mindful right. love and Remembering that your partner is not your enemy and your automatic reaction that may come out of your mouth may be really hurtful to the human being across from you. And, and just using your skills and maybe having a ritual in the morning where you sit down together and meditate uh, and or do a reading together. Uh, there's a great morning that. reader, 365 days of living consciously and just kind of be on the same page. And then I went into the breathwork training and uh, conscious connected breathing out in Wisconsin. And, and that's a whole lot of just stay moving in your breath because your breath is your connection yeah. to the universe. And you, we also hold our breath when something big happens or we can't take it all in at the moment and it gets stored in your body tissue. So, 100%. so Intense breathing will help release some of that. And if we don't pay attention to it, our bodies will pay attention to it. Yeah. Well, we are just so grateful that you guys have come on the podcast. I feel like we definitely have to have you back. Um, Dr. Bob, I know there's some, there's some stuff in the next episode that we're going to put in the show notes. So Dr. Bob is a, is an expert in, in the New Orleans area. He works in lots of different areas. I know I, are you your only licensed in Louisiana? Is that correct? Or yeah, also New in New York, York State? New York. New York State too. Okay, I, thought, I knew it was double. So New yeah. Yorkers, I got a big New York population following. Um, if you're looking for someone who does the testing, genetic testing to help you figure out 
if your psychiatric medications and even pain medications, it's like a lot of different medications. Um, Dr. Bob is an expert in this. So I wanted you to touch on it just quickly. Mm -hmm. I know you have to head, but um, I was hoping maybe you might want to come back and talk to us a little bit about this because this is a big, big, cool resource that a lot of people I think could benefit from. Sure. I, I mean, maybe you probably, you know, I'd be happy to come back. We could talk about I would love that. how the genetic work sort of fits into, you know, medication management um, and the, uh, you know, it's all, it always pleases me a great deal when you do a genetic workup. And increasingly right now, it sounds like Medicare pays 100 Medicare, red, white, and blue pays 100%. Um, wow. Uh, Medicaid in Louisiana now is paying 100%. Um, commercial well, that's a big commercial shift, insurance, there's a copay of $400. And I think the, if you can afford it, the value is well worth it. I mean, it's just priceless, the information you get from it. Um, and Medicare uh, advantages don't pay. So they treat that like a commercial insurer. So it's a $400. So you can increasingly, you can get a good big bang for your buck. And for some people, they get it for free. What's the value of it? What's the value of it? The value is that it gives us, it gives your prescriber a, a, a clear course of action to optimize which meds your body's going to respond most favorably to. Another benefit Indeed. is it's validating to patients who have often had lots of failures on meds and they've been blamed. They be the, uh, the physicians thought, thought they were falsifying their reports or being overly dramatic about their symptoms and syndrome. So I, one of the greatest effects is that it brings a client back into um, um, a trust relationship with me because they go, oh, you see, I wasn't crazy. This, my body, then this results tell me why I had such a hard time and why I didn't respond to X, Y, and Z. So it re, reboots a potential therapeutic relationship with a client who's had multiple failures of getting help with, with myself, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I would love to, to like say it. nothing for the time savings, right? Yeah. You used to say, well, we need you to be on mm -hmm. this for six months right. before we're going to see. Right. And then, oh, well, six months, it doesn't work. We got to wait another six months on the next medication. I mean, before now, well, you, these medications you've got are... a suicidal patient for two years trying to find a damn medication. It's, it's, it's suffering. It's, yeah. It really oftentimes feels like malpractice when I have patients yeah. Yeah. come to me yeah. who's, and then malpractice further enacted when a physician, if I'm doing a consult and the physician doesn't even want the material or use it as a guideline, you know, so that's yeah, currently, so there's past horror and current and moving forward, there's still a lack of, of a, a medical acceptance of it as a tool. Um, and so, and it's oftentimes uh, unfathomable for me to see yeah. that get yeah. discarded, you know? Right. So, yeah. well, especially with the motherfucker gene, you know, it's interesting. So my son found out that he has a gene I don't know if it's a deletion, but he's he's missing uh, the gene that helps push serotonin from nerve to nerve, right? Is that correct, Dr. Bob? I'm no, just no, assuming what you told me. Motherfucker gene is 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 responsible for converting folate. Converting the, the methylfolate. L-methylfolate 
um, sort of formulation, which is then the building block for serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. So if you don't make the huge, if, if you can't like, convert, it's not yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know you're born without the necessary you know sort of mental resources to cope. Mm-hmm. Doesn't cause depression necessarily, mm-hmm. but you lack the 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 um, uh, you know the juice to cope mm-hmm. with depressive incidents or anxious moments or you know uh, or attention because it's also so it's um it's profound sometimes it's impact it's profound yeah and to the listeners out there if this is something you know i'm going to put dr bob's practice in the show notes as well as dr cindy's practice so if you guys are looking for a couples therapist um please look in the show notes there'll be lots of information on the books that we talked about today <clears throat> i highly recommend you looking in their work um you know when my son lost his dad acute depression happened in big time for him and I don't want to go too much into his medical information online, but I would say that his depression was so severe and we tried medication and a lot of things were not working for him. He just could not get over the hump. And he was doing a lot of talk therapy and all the things that like one would would need to access and get help. <clears throat> when we did this genetic testing, which Bob recommended, I, I hate to admit how much earlier he recommended before I did it. I think it was like three or four months I dragged and then finally did it. We found out he was missing. He had the motherfucker gene issue. He started to take a vitamin. It's a you know prescription-based vitamin, but a methylfolate every single day. And let me just say this, that my child literally was reborn from that. And I can't imagine how many more medications I would have put him on because I just couldn't, couldn't find any solutions or relief. And he, you know, the glass was half empty for him every minute of the day. And he, he was a really happy kid before this acute thing may have pushed it over the edge he always had this but i think the situational thing that happened after losing his father he just he he could not get back on his feet and i swear to god i i really have you to think it's to, you know to this day when he doesn't take the vitamin it is instant i could read that he has not taken that vitamin and so is david we're like did you did you take your light today and he was like oh shoot i forgot like run back upstairs and now he'll be like oh man i forgot to take it and i felt i felt i had the hardest time like getting through the morning, you know, I just felt so sad. So it's so interesting. He must have like, you know, maybe a more severe case than others, but it's been a game changer. So for those of you who are looking for solutions to your mental health, you know, taking this test, I can speak as a mom, which is like the most hovery version of healing, right? Dr. Bob knows, like, I'm always like, ah, like getting anxious about him, getting anxious, (laughs) trying to find relief. But, you know, if anyone's going to fight for you, it's your mom, you know, and I will say that, it was so powerful. I learned more than just the depression. You know, he also, because of this, like, isn't a normal kiddo who can take Advil may not relieve in the same way. If he ever had to have a surgery, I learned that, you know, narcotics or pain medications may not hit him in the same way. So he'd do better with a non-narcotic uh, medication. So it's it was really, 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 really informative. And I, I just think it's something to share. So I loved having you guys. Um, I hope that we can do this again any why don't i let you guys close it up maybe like i'll I'll close up my side one of the most fun moments fun now in retrospect was at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. workshop everybody goes around says their first name what their partner's name is what they do or anything else that we should know 
And so we go all the way around the room. There were probably 12 couples in the room and we get to Dr. Bob and Dr. Bob says, <laughs> I'm Bob and I'm Cindy's husband and we co-present these and I'm a psychologist and I'm retired. And I mean, <laughs> you could have knocked me over with you because I'm supposed to be leading this workshop and I'm like, you're what? Like he, he decided to go from academia to, you know, living full-time in New Orleans. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I had to mirror that. I had to say, so you're Dr. Bob. <laughs> and so that, you know, that was one of the moments that sticks in my mind. You're like, we're going to start the workshop off by us doing the Mago right. dialogue technique <laughs> here in front of you. <laughs> We hadn't spoken to one another in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we hadn't gotten it a, to it. It was an opportunity, I thought, to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think transparency, <laughs> like one of my favorite things about being in the healing realm or holding space for people who are trying to get more mindful, which is what I'd say I do. Um, when we do retreats, it's the exact same thing. I think vulnerability and being able to show that you're working on it and you Absolutely. don't have it all figured out. Like none of us have this all figured out. It's and we, you might alone. be an expert in a tool. They're not alone yeah. in their right. struggle, right. you know? And that feels really good when you meet someone in that, that, that the world is suffering in the same way that you are, and we all just need to look for solutions and tools, and that can be varied from person to person. I well, I hope that everyone comes to see you guys. Don't retire yet, Bob. I mean, yeah. I'm not oh, no, going to that was many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Cindy, I know you're not retiring anytime soon, so... Look for them in their workshops. Um, I actually would love to like potentially host you guys for a couple's. We're trying to put together a couple's retreat. Um, we'd love to go to Mexico. So we'll keep Sounds you in the works. We'll, we'll keep it in discussion. We're, we're okay. Well, you guys. Portugal in a couple of in a couple of months. Okay, Portugal yeah, sounds yeah. even better. Yeah. That would be amazing. Great All right, well, thank you, you guys. Both. Thank you so much. You too. Yeah, yeah. Nice. This has been Wake the F Up Podcast, hosted by Alex and David Long. Be sure to check out other episodes where our community of experts share tools and ideas to help you wake to the life inside of you. If you enjoyed this episode of Wake the F Up, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Join the Wake community by downloading our app. Just search for The Wake Wellness in the Apple or Android App Store and follow us on Instagram at The Wake Wellness. Thanks for listening.